we want to welcome all of you this morning. I want to encourage you to enter into worship together. Let's just praise the name of Jesus. Strange and lovely sound. I hear it in the thunder and the rain. It's ringing in the sky like cannons in the night. While the music of the universe plays, singing you our hope, rain and night, moon and the stars.
search the world He couldn't fill the Man's empty praise Treasures the thing I never know And you came along Put me back together Satisfied here in love. Oh, there's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing, nothing is better than you. To show you my weakness, my failures and flaws, you see them all, and you still call me friend. Cause the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. There's not a place for mercy and grace that won't find me
above it all. God, worthy of it all. 
who's done it all for us. God, we just love you today. We thank you for all that you mean, all that you, all that you are in our lives. We give you praise, we give you glory, and we just, we love, God, to sing your praises. We love to lift our voices, God. God, whether we're together in a congregation, Lord, or whether we're sitting solitary in our homes, Lord, we just love to lift our voice and praise you and give you all the glory to your name. And we do that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. God bless you. Have a great Sunday and stay tuned for a great message. Welcome, Life Church. Welcome to all of you who are joining us online this morning for church. Uh, it's great to see you. I hope that you are having a great Sunday. We are continuing the series that we began called One Story, making our way from Genesis to Revelation all the way through the Bible. And thus far in this One Story series, we've worked our way through the Pentateuch, uh, which is the law, and then we moved into the historical books of Samuel and Kings and Chronicles. Uh, we're learning about the kings of Israel. I talked a couple weeks ago on King Saul. Then last week, um, Brian taught on King David, who became a great king, uh, wrote most of the Psalms in the book of Psalms. Now, we're going to move on to David's son, whose name was Solomon today. Uh, Solomon actually wrote much of the book of Proverbs, and there is so much that we can learn from Solomon. Let me start this episode of One Story with a diagnostic question so we can see who this message is for. And here's the question. How many watching this morning have ever done something stupid, like ever? Maybe more than once, maybe a few times. Point is, could you use some wisdom? Chances are we all could. Today we're gonna to learn about the person that God says was the wisest person who ever walked terra firma and ever will, ever will. It's this Solomon, and we're gonna look at his life today, and then we're gonna look a little bit into the book of Proverbs. Now, like the book of Psalms, the book of Proverbs is an utterly unique book of Scripture. There's no other like it. It was designed for the purpose of wisdom. And my hope that after today is that the book of Proverbs becomes a fundamental part of your spiritual life and your spiritual diet. So today, let's get familiar with this character by the name of Solomon. Okay? In the opening chapters of the book of 1 Kings, David, the great king, is dying. There's a lot of intrigue surrounding his death, a lot of jockeying for the throne. I'm not going to get into all those details, but let's just say it was quite a mess. But through all this, God promises that Solomon is going to become king, and that is exactly what happens. And then comes the defining moment in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 3. Here's what it says. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Now there, friends, is an interesting proposition. Like anything? For real? Now in verse number 9, Solomon answers the question. He says, Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? Wow, what an answer. God comes to him and says, Anything. Anything at all. You just name it. I mean, Solomon could have said, I want a zillion dollars and a jetpack and a lightsaber and a big giant foam finger that says Solomon's number one. He doesn't do that. Solomon says, give me wisdom to lead your people. It's an amazing answer. Let's keep reading. 
Verse number 10. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you have, not, you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you ask for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has had or ever will have. And I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all the world would be compared to you for the rest of your life. See, God is very pleased with Solomon here, who could have asked stuff for himself, but instead, he just is viewing himself as a servant. And he asked God for a gift that would help him lead his people. He's, he's concerned for the people that he's going to serve. And so God gives him incredible wisdom. Now, this is illustrated immediately with this famous story of two moms. Two prostitute moms come before Solomon. One of their babies has died, but the problem is they both claim that the baby left living was theirs. Remember what Solomon says here in verse 24. He says, all right, bring me a sword. Well, there's an unorthodox approach for you, but let's keep going. So they brought a sword for the king. He then gave an order. Cut the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. The woman whose son was alive was deeply moved out of love for her son and said to the king, please, my lord, give her the living baby. Don't kill him. But the other said, Neither I nor you shall have him. Cut him in two. Now in verse 27, Then the king gave his ruling. Give the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him. She is his mother. When all Israel heard the verdict that the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. Now what the text may not say, what might have happened here, is he might have also said, Take the other woman and put her in jail because I'm pretty sure she's a sociopath but doesn't say that. Now the text does mention that both of these, women's, these women have an occupation. It says that they are prostitutes. It mentions that for a reason. Because people with money and power can always get justice. But prostitutes in the ancient world were generally slaves. Usually they'd been sold into slavery by their parents and they were seen as unfortunately the lowest of the low. But Solomon here is committed to making sure that everybody gets justice. And therefore, he and all of Israel and all of Judah are blessed because of it. Now, in chapter 4, verse 20, it describes the, their state of being blessed. Here's what it says. The people of Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They were very contented with plenty to eat and drink. Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms from the Euphrates River in the north to the land of the Philistines and the border of Egypt in the south. Now, historically, this is the most territory that Israel Ever, contro ever controlled. And if you remember, we saw this months ago at the very beginning of our series, One Story. God promised Abraham that he would have descendants, what were the words, as numerous as the sand on the seashore, and they would occupy the entire land of Canaan. Well, bingo, it's right here. Here, right here. This is the fulfillment of God's promise. And from an external point of view, Solomon had achieved military success and economic prosperity. This is the highest point that Israel will ever achieve. Everything before led up to this point, and afterwards, they decline. And this is what they would always look back to as their heyday. Now, I point that out for a reason. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus makes a remarkable statement about himself. He says, now one who is greater than Solomon is here. Now, we tend to skim right over those words without much of a blink. But to Jesus' listeners, those words would have caused nosebleeds because they'd always seen Solomon as the top 
the top of the top. The greatest Israel ever was, was under Solomon. And this now obscure, impoverished, cloutless son of a carpenter comes along and says, now one who is greater than Solomon is here? Jesus is making the point very clearly here, friends, that God's kingdom was never really about wealth and armies and power and wealth. <laughs> it just wasn't about all that. Now, in chapter 4, it goes on. Here's what it says. God gave Solomon great wisdom, very great wisdom and understanding, and knowledge as vast as the sand of the seashore. In fact, his wisdom exceeded that of all the wise men of the east and the wise men of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else. His fame spread throughout all the surrounding nations. Now, the high point of his reign, kind of the crowning achievement that meant the most to the people of Israel, was the construction of the temple. Solomon spent seven years and enormous resources constructing this temple for the worship of the one great God. And when it's dedicated, when the temple is dedicated, Solomon prays one of the great prayers in all of Scripture. And there's three verses in particular that I want us to take a look at because they reinforce this recurring theme in the Old Testament. It's very important for us to understand God's heart for the people of all the earth, not just Israel, but all the people of the world. This is Solomon's prayer in 1 Kings chapter 8. He prays, In the future, foreigners who do not belong to your people Israel will hear of you. They will come from distant lands because of your name, for they will hear of your great name and your strong hand and your powerful arm. In this way, all the people of the earth will come to know and fear you just as your own people Israel do. Because you remember, way, way back, God says to Abraham, All the people, all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. See, Israel was never chosen just for its own sake, but always for the sake of the world that God loves so much. And Solomon prays this great prayer, which is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus, who was the dwelling place of God on earth. And in a sense, you and I are here today in part because of the fulfillment of the prayer of Solomon. It's part of Solomon's greatest legacy. Now, I want to turn our attention to really the other part of Solomon's great legacy here, and that is the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs. This is a collection of the wisdom of Solomon. In the Bible, it comes right after the book of Psalms. Proverbs is right behind it. Now, most likely, this collection of Solomon's wisdom, these Proverbs, were a part of a curriculum that was designed to help train the next generation of leaders in Israel. And here's how it begins, the great book of Proverbs, chapter 1, verse 1. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. And now in verse 7, we find what really is the foundation of the whole book of Proverbs here. It says this, The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Now, let me just say a quick word about wisdom, because this is kind of the core. In the Old Testament, wisdom is primarily the ability to make God-honoring, life-producing decisions. Wisdom is not about IQ. It's not about information. In our day, we tend to confuse information with wisdom, and we get overloaded with information. I've got more information available to me at my fingertips with my iPhone than I could ever use but it doesn't stop me from acting like a complete idiot sometimes. Maybe you too. 
But God's Word teaches us how to be influenced over time to think and act differently, to walk with God and learn that we grow most when we are the most connected to Him, most dependent upon Him, not independent, but dependent upon Him, to be increasingly ever conscious of God, talking to Him, inquiring of Him, submitting to Him. Now, on the other hand, I'll say a quick word about folly and fools, because that's also very prominent in the book of Proverbs, because that's the contrast. Now, a fool is not a low IQ person. They're not primarily marked by ignorance. No, folly in the Old Testament is a problem of the will, not of the mind. Folly is rebellion against God. Folly is moral depravity. It's spiritual blindness and prideful independence. So Proverbs, friends, is an urgently important book. It was written to save people from folly that leads to destruction. But at the same time, the writers do this in an extremely artful way. There's almost a game-like quality to Proverbs because it's designed to teach folks in an interesting way and primarily teaching younger people. Now, writing an effective proverb really takes a brilliant mind. It has to be brief. It has to have insight into human nature has to be expressed in a few unforgettable words that stick in your brain. I remember a number of years ago, I had a job for a while at a country club teaching golf lessons to people. And I would tell each of my students, I would say, practice makes what? And they'd all say, perfect, practice makes perfect. And I said, wrong, that's incorrect. And if you get nothing else from me, get this. Practice does not make perfect. Practice makes permanent. Say that with me. Practice makes permanent. So it's important what you practice then, right? So let's learn to do this right, and then then we'll get about practicing. That's what I would say to them. Now, Proverbs is a guidebook for practicing what is right. So now, if we're gonna benefit from this, it's crucial that we understand the type of teaching that Proverbs brings to us. So I wanna distinguish between three different kinds of statements in Scripture. The first one is some statements fall under a category of what might be called a law. A law. A law is a command that is meant to be obeyed. And then second, some statements fall into a category called a promise. A promise is like a guarantee from God. But today we're focusing on Proverbs, and Proverbs is a different category altogether. It's a catchy observation about the way things generally are. They're designed to give helpful guidance in real life situations. So, there are laws and there are promises and there are proverbs. I'm gonna give you a few different statements from scripture so we can see if it's a law, a promise, or a proverb. Here's the first one, it comes from Deuteronomy chapter six. This is a core statement in the Old Testament. It goes like this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul and strength. That's a law, that's a law. Are there any exceptions, meaning, is there any times when it's okay not to do that? No, of course not. It's a law. Here's the next one. It comes from Romans 8. It says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Now, which category is that from? Well, that's a promise, isn't it? Are there any exceptions to that? Any forces that could separate us from the love of God? No, absolutely not. That's a promise. Okay, next one. It comes from Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4. It says, lazy hands make for poverty. Which category does that come from? Well, of course, that's a proverb. Are there any exceptions to that? Absolutely, there sure are. Sometimes lazy people win the lottery or something happens and they get rich. So sometimes there are exceptions. But as a general rule, that's true. 
And ultimately, in the end, it turns out to be true, very true. Also, it's good to remember that proverbs are designed to read slowly and to kind of mull over in your mind. So as you become a student of the book of Proverbs, don't just skim through it. It doesn't help you very much if you just skim through Proverbs. So for an example, let's read this one together out loud from Proverbs 24. Let's read this together. Finish your outdoor work and get your fields ready. After that, build your house. Does that mean that if a guy doesn't mow the grass that he's got to spend the night in a tent out in the backyard? Is that the intent? No. Well, in that culture, outdoor work, primarily farming, that was income producing. But now house building, that was income draining. That was spending on comfort. So one meaning of that proverb is, don't spend money you don't have yet. Don't spend money you don't have yet. But proverbs would generally find a catchier way to say it. So if I were to rewrite this proverb in our day, I would say it like this. Get a job before you get a Jaguar. Maybe you could say that with me. Get a job before you get a Jaguar, okay? Now, another aspect of Proverbs that can sometimes confuse people is that when you look at various Proverbs, sometimes they seem like they might be contradicting each other. You ever notice that? This uh, happens with English Proverbs as well. I mean, for example, we've all heard this, this common proverb that says, look before you leap. But on the other hand, there's another one that says, he who hesitates is lost. Now, there's also a, a proverb that says, opposites attract, but then there's an also, also there's a one that says, birds of a feather flock together. And then there's one that says, absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? Another one says, out of sight, out of mind. So it can be kind of confusing, can it? Here's what's going on. Every proverb addresses one slice of reality. They're written to help people avoid folly. And people can pursue folly on opposite ends of the spectrum on any issue. So which proverbs you need to focus on depends on your situation and your tendencies. For instance, for instance, let's just take a look at this one that says, look before you leap, but then also the one that says, he who hesitates is lost. Okay, how many watching today tend to be impulsive types? You jump to action quickly, and sometimes you leap without thinking things all the way through. Guarantee you there's some impulsive types that are watching today. You would do well to look before you leap because you tend to jump without really paying enough attention. Now, on the other hand, how many you would say, you tend to hesitate too long before you commit to something. You like want, always want more time. I need more time, I need more information. Well, you would do well to remember, he who hesitates is lost because your tendency is to flinch and wait and hesitate and stall, okay? So benefiting from the Proverbs requires some discretion and some understanding. There's one Old Testament scholar that put it this way. He said, as effective as the Proverbs are as a guide to the blessed life, they will always be misleading if used as magical sayings which automatically bring results. So, the quest for God's wisdom begins right out of the gate by praying an honest prayer. God, would you give me wisdom? Just pray an honest prayer like, Lord, cause these nuggets of wisdom to saturate my soul and show me the ones that I need to pay attention to most. May I be filled with both wisdom and increasing dependence upon you. Now, the quest for God's wisdom will change your life for the better. I mean, no wonder the Israelites revered it and begged God for it and devoted their lives to the pursuit of it. And we can do that too. And we, in our day, have the added benefit of the, of the, of the New Testament to help clarify for us and the inner presence of the Holy Spirit to help guide us. 
So here's what I'd like to do with the time that we have remaining today. I want to run, run through a few of these Proverbs today, and here's the challenge that I want to give you. I'd like for you to adopt one of these Proverbs today and carry it with you for the week. So I'm going to ask you to identify which of the following Proverbs addresses the area where you most need wisdom. In other words, the area of life in which you tend to take the most stupid pills, okay? Now, it could be one of these that we're going to read together. It could be one that you find on your own. But in the next few minutes, just write down one proverb that you're going to take with you this week, starting today. And I'm going to read a handful right now. Then the experiment this week is to repeat that proverb over and over and over until you memorize it. The proverbs were meant to be memorized. So write it down. Put it someplace where you'll see it all the time. Now you do that and you see if God doesn't keep calling your attention back to it and bringing your mind to it, leaning you towards wisdom this week, okay? All right, here's the first one. First one has to do with the mouth, okay? Now I know you don't need this, but someone in your family probably does, right? Yeah, okay. Here it is in Proverbs 10:19. When words are many, sin is not absent, but the wise hold their tongues. Say it again. When words are many, sin is not absent, but the wise hold their tongues. Some of us, our words get away from us like way too often. Anybody remember the old TV show, Mr. Ed, the talking horse? Well, in the theme song, it says about Mr. Ed, it says, Mr. Ed will never speak unless he has something to say. So maybe you can pray the Mr. Ed prayer. Lord, do I really need to say what I want to say right now? Check my tongue. Okay. All right, so that's the first one. Here's the next one. Proverbs 19.24. Sluggards bury their hands in the dish and will not even bring them back to their mouth. That's a picture for you right there. Sluggards bury their hands in the dish and will not even bring them back to their mouth. Some here that are watching might be wrestling with procrastination, an area that you know God is calling you to diligence and you're blowing it. You're ignoring what God is asking you to do. Now, this is an extreme picture of laziness and procrastination, but the point is no life ever gets nurtured by laziness. It just doesn't. A lack of action, lack of initiative always leads to loss. Okay? All right, here's the next one. Next proverb is, remember, write these down. Pick, you're going to have to pick one of these out and carry it with you. So write these down if you can, even if you're just writing the reference maybe. Next one, Proverbs 10.25. When the storms of life come, the wicked are whirled away but the godly have a lasting foundation. Now, some of you, you're in a storm of life today. You've been abandoned or betrayed maybe. Maybe you're going through a divorce or you've had a financial disaster. Someone you love has passed away. Maybe you've got a child that you stay up late at night worrying about. Maybe you just got fired, but something has knocked the wind out of you and you need this one and you know who you are. You're going through a storm of life right now and this is gonna be your proverb to take with you this week, okay? All right, here's the next one. It comes from Proverbs 12:1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. Say it again. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. All right, let's just do a mass confession on this one. How many watching today ever get defensive? Hand up. I know that I do sometimes. And friends, I've come to realize how much I need the unvarnished truth from God and from people around me if I'm ever going to grow. Because some people may flatter you. They may say things to you that superficially make you feel pretty good. doesn't mean they're your friend. Very possibly they might be trying to use you. But a true friend will speak truth to you. It's important. 
Here's an interesting little sidebar about Proverbs here. In Proverbs 31.1, it says, The sayings of King Lemuel, an oracle his mother taught him. Well, we'll just stop there for a second. Is, there, were, there were 43 kings in Israel and Judah. Which one is King Lemuel? Well, he wasn't one of them. He wasn't an Israelite king. He was an Arab king. And strangely enough, God says, I want that in the Bible right there, that one. Here's the point. Sometimes wisdom comes from unexpected places. And that's all right. All right, here's the last proverb we'll look at here. Last one comes from Proverbs chapter 30, verse 15. Let's read this out loud together. The leech has two daughters. Give, give, they cry. The leech has two daughters. Give, give, they cry. You ever see a leech? I remember when we were growing up, we used to call them bloodsuckers. When one gets on you, they, they fasten themselves onto you and they suck blood from both ends. It's like, gimme, 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 gimme. That's the idea of two daughters. It's a figure of speech. Doesn't necessarily mean your teenage daughter. Doesn't say it isn't either, but whatever, you know. But the leech is a taker. In other words, a leech never says, let me give something to you in return. No, a leech only make, with, they only make withdrawals, never deposits. And this proverb is saying, it's possible for a human spirit to get like that. Gimme, gimme, gimme. I want, I need, I want, I need. You know, we live in a society where some of the smartest people stay up really late at night trying to figure out how to make you more like a leech. Gimme, gimme, I want, I need. Well, I don't want to be a leech. I don't want to be a taker. I want to be a giver. So for some of us here, this proverb about the leech is the one we ought to live with this week. And you need to memorize that one. So which one of these proverbs are you going to adopt and recite and memorize this week? Because here's what's hap here what happens when we do this. We bring a fulfillment of Romans 12.1, which says, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How does that happen? By allowing God to change the way that we think. And immersing ourselves in the book of Proverbs will change the way we think. And that's a good thing. Now, why don't we bow our heads and pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, particularly this week, Lord, we thank you for the Proverbs, which pour wisdom into our life if we'll apply ourselves and read with open minds. Help us, Lord, to season our minds with your wisdom, Lord, that we might grow and live lives that honor you and produce fruit to your glory, 30 and 60 and even 100-fold, we ask. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for spending this time with us online today. Uh, I pray for you quite often, and I think about you a lot. Um, looking forward to the next time that we gather together in a couple of weeks now, and uh, praying God's best for you and your family. Let me leave you with this. Go in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And remember, the God who came still comes, and the God who spoke still speaks. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. Mm -hmm.